Welcome back to the Next Gen Podcast. I am your co-host, Andrew Christensen, joined alongside the Brooks Huber. Brooks, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's a great Monday. I'm excited that football is starting this Thursday, and I can't wait to start this podcast episode. No, for sure. We're less than a week away from the NFL season starting. I know a lot of people are excited, including me. With that being said, we have a list of some great topics today. Brooks, why don't you introduce what we're going to talk about? Uh, yeah, well, we'll just basically be talking about what's going on in the NFL right now to kickstart this off. So we kind of segue into the main topic of today, which is NFC record predictions. Ooh. We have some great takes that we're going to be talking about, and not a lot of people are going to be agreeing with them. Some will, some won't, but that's just the great part of talking football because not everybody's going to agree with, with what you have to say. No, for sure. If you haven't checked out, we did a podcast on AFC record predictions. That was by far our best episode, wouldn't you say, Brooks? Yeah, it was really fun. We we made a lot of jokes throughout. Oh, yeah. I said that Zach Taylor only got his job because he shook hands with Sean McVay. I asked Andrew if they allow plants in Las Vegas because I don't know what, Sean, what John, John Gruden smoking sometimes. If you guys have not listened to the episode, I, I freely invite you to do it even though I will be dropping those predictions on Monday Ooh, on, yeah, the, for- on the Instagram. But still, nonetheless, go listen right now. I mean, it's just, it's great. It's, it's great, wholesome content. Oh, so, for sure. And- we even had a comment about Deshaun Watson and his excessive massages. So go oh, yeah. ahead and, and check that podcast out. We had some fun with that. But before we do bounce into NFC, Like Brooks said, we're going to talk about some headlines. And when talking about headlines, I think the biggest one right now is the fact that Cam Newton was released by the New England Patriots. And the one and only Mac Jones will be starting. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it shocked a lot of people, including myself, because literally like that there, the day before, like a week, it was it was Cam Newton's job to lose. And while Mac Jones was gaining traction to be at QB1, we all thought it would happen around like week five, week three, sometime in that range. And it did not happen that way. They cut yeah. Cam Newton. And I'm surprised that they cut him out right. Yeah. And Sorry, and we, go ahead. Well, we talked about last podcast, because this is before the news drop. We talked about the Patriots. And we both did discuss. We said, you know, Cam Newton isn't going to be in there long. I think I gave a timeline at least by week three. So not too far off. So it's not like a huge shock um, that Mac Jones will be starting, but more of a shock for me is the fact that they released Cam. So I'm curious to hear what your takes are after you unmute your mic there, Brooks. No, it's not. Okay. Sorry about that. (laughs) Uh, Well, I think it did shock a lot of people. And I think part of it was because he was not, he's kind of a guy that is a vocal guy in the locker room where when you're a rookie quarterback, you can't really have that guy sitting behind you. No, because for he sure. Such, he acts like he's the quarterback one, and as, she, as he should. He's just too much of a presence in that locker room, and it would definitely take away from the leadership of Mac Jones. And then you also have to listen to what Rob Ninkovich, former Patriots linebacker, said on his podcast or someone's podcast. He said that Mac Jones was actually teaching Cam Newton the offense. I saw that. Isn't that crazy? Book. Exactly. So I think all those things, everything considered, I think if we would have known that, we could have seen it coming. But nonetheless, I'm excited for the Mac Jones era and yeah. for the Patriots this and year. So 
you bring up some good points, right? Because people are like, oh, Cam Newton's that bad that they had to release him. But like you said, there's more to it. Yeah, for sure. And there's not 32 quarterbacks better than Cam Newton, but no. he will not get signed right now. Obviously, yeah. he could start for the Giants and they would be a playoff team. But Dave Gettleman got hit in the head or got dropped too many times as a baby. So that won't happen. Yeah. Would but, you be would you be surprised if I told you that John Gruden was actively recruiting Cam Newton as, as we speak? Well, you know, as a guy who loves mediocrity, I would not be surprised. But I, is, I, think, I think he has his eyes set on Teddy Two Gloves there. Yeah, yeah, that is completely completely a false take I just gave out. But like we said, not a huge John Gruden fan on this podcast, so I had I had to give him some grief there. Okay, no, but do you see their win total? Because what did you say their win total was on last Monday's podcast? And does that change for you with the Mac Jones news? Or are you kind of in the same spot? Because for me, I'm sitting, I'm staying put at 9-8. That, yeah. that, that's my opinions, but I want to hear yours. I, I believe – I can't remember if I had them at 9-8 and eight and 10 or 7, but I, I am confident in that range. I think Mac Jones, and the reason is, is because, like I said, I I said verbally on the podcast, I would see Mac Jones starting at week three. Um, So with that being said, it doesn't really um, sway my record predictions. And I do think, without a doubt, they're a better team with him on the field. Yeah, he looks very good in preseason. And I'm excited for the Mac Jones era. Let's now segue to, I guess, some more news in the NFL. The Saints will not be playing the first four weeks in New Orleans due to Hurricane Ida. Uh, we'd like to send our prayers and thoughts to everybody in Louisiana so they can get out and they can be safe during this sad time. And for the football aspect of it, they moved their game to Jacksonville. What do you think of that news, and how does that affect both teams involved? Because they will be playing the Packers this Sunday. Yeah, it definitely mixes things up, right? Um, I think – as NFL fans, we kind of lost perspective of how significant home field is because of COVID last year, right? Um, but truly, when you have a, a, a stadium with, you know, thousands and thousands of people packed making noise, it's a huge, you know, game changer. And so it's going to make a difference, that's for sure. And I'll make some some more points here, but I'll let, let you add some input before I do that. Yeah, I think... All things considered, it was a good place to move it. They could not move the game to AT&T Stadium due to the Cowboys having a concert on that Sunday, which is kind of weird. Who's singing? But Who's singing? Do you know? I'm not sure. I'm going to look. Here, you, you talk right now. I'll Actually, I'll look that up after I make my few points. But be someone I think it was a great move moving it to Jacksonville because uh, it's going to be harder, I heard, for Packers fans to buy plane yeah. tickets to go there. It's going to be harder for the Heat. And also, this is a kind of a home field advantage for Jameis Winston. He played college at Florida State. He played his first four years in the NFL in Florida with the Bucks, yeah. And now he's going to be playing in Jacksonville for the season opener. I like this a lot for Jameis Winston. And you'll hear my take on the whole Jameis Winston situation on Wednesday's podcast when I gave a very scorching hot take, almost as scorching Ooh. as that Jacksonville weather. Oh, I like that. I like that. Yeah, like you said, I was going to comment as well how it's kind of a um, – it was a smart move by the Saints, and many would think, you know, oh, they just moved it to whatever location, you know, they could. But there was a lot of thought that went into this. Like you said, I forget what Aaron Rodgers' exact um, record is in humidity, but it's definitely not great. It's kind of opened up my eyes. So 
Um, humidity was a big factor that warm weather. And like you said, plane tickets. So you have, um, you have the Jacksonville, Tampa Bay, and there's one other place and those were the most expensive for Packers fans. So definitely trying to get as much home field advantage as they can. And so it's going to be an interesting matchup and we'll definitely talk about that more, but I'm hoping you have an answer to the concert question because I'm actually curious what it is. I can't find it right now. You guys start talking about football. We are 10 minutes in or whatever. So well, let's kick it off then. Um, so like we said, we're talking NFC record predictions and what other than to start with the NFC North, which will be competitive. So Brooks, why don't you kick us off? Yeah, let me pull up my notes real quick here. Gosh. Yeah, so to kick off this podcast. Okay, unprepared, no, unprepared. Uh, uh, I have, for the NFC North, I have the Packers at 12-5. and five. I do think that they are going to drop their win totals from last year just by the slightest, just because you have Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, and it's hard to replicate what those two did last year. They also lost Corey Lindsley. So that I have them going down to 12-5. and five. I have the Vikings going to nine and eight. I do think that their additions are very good this year. However, their schedule is the fifth hardest in the NFL this upcoming season. So it's going to be hard for them to get wins. I have the Bears at five and 12. I do not think they're a good team. I think Matt Nagy will will be one of the first head coaches to be fired after Zach Taylor. And I think they will start Justin Fields too late. And that's what's going to happen with their win total. It's going to um, dip a little bit like that. And they have Lions at 3-14. and 14. It was hard giving them three wins, finding three wins, but I think they'll sweep it out with Dan Campbell as their head coach. I think they'll buy it off enough kneecaps to get to that three wins. Ooh. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and enlist mine. I got the Packers at 13-4. and four. Um, They looked, you know, spectacular last year, and I think they're still going to look good this year, but definitely a tiny bit of regression there. I have Minnesota at 10-7. and seven. Um, you said they have a hard schedule, but their offense looked really good last year. They had some defensive problems. They definitely upgraded some talent on the defense, so I think that will help them this year. Got the Bears at 8-9. and nine. The Bears have always been a team that has been able to get, get it kind of done, especially with their defense with Khalil Mack, some of those guys. And then in last place, I do have the Detroit Lions at 4-13. and 13. I think Jared Goff, this is a big season for him. If he doesn't come out and prove himself, he could look to get replaced um, soon. We need to transition, so let's kick it off to the NFC East. NFC East, you want me to start this one? Yeah, you go ahead. Yeah, so right now, it is going to be a dumpster fire in my eyes. I don't <laughs> think there's going to be any teams that surprise us this year. And so with that in mind... I'm going to have Washington at 9-8 and eight at first in the division. You can make the argument for Dallas being up there, Giants, heck, even the Eagles. But I think with Washington's defense and adding Fitzmagic, he's going to win you more games than he's going to lose you games. And with Antonio Gibson, I'm a huge fan of him. Ooh. Him and Warren, so I think that offense will be very good. Not very good, sorry, but pretty good. And will win them enough games to go into 9-8. and eight. I have Dallas at 8-9. and nine. A lot of people have them at 9 and 8, 10 and 7. I don't really see it. I, I think they always tend to underperform to certain standards. And if it's not their defense this year, it's going to be something else. And they're going to find that excuse for that. And then Giants at 7 and 10. I think that's even a little bit generous, but some Giants fans might think that's way too low. I don't like Daniel Jones at all. I think he's a garbage quarterback. Danny Dimes. And, no, don't even say that. No. 
He does not deserve that cool of a nickname, but that's a rant for another time. I think Tim Tebow could be a better quarterback than Daniel Jones. I don't think I know that for a fact. Honestly, bring RG3 and they win nine games. Anyways, I have the oh. Eagles at 5-12. and 12. I, I had them at higher, but them bringing in Gardner Minshew kind of scares me for Jalen Hurts' development and confidence. However, Jalen Hurts is a winner, so I think he will keep that starting spot, but that will be something to monitor throughout the season. What's your rankings for the NFC East? Yeah, so at the top, like you said, I got the Washington football team. You touched on their offense. I think even more importantly, they have a fantastic defense led by a tremendous defensive line. Um, defense is good. Definitely upgraded a little bit on wide or on offense, so they're going to win some games. Followed by the Dallas Cowboys at eight and nine. Always hopeful about the Cowboys every year, and they seem to let Cowboys fans down. I see the same thing happening this year. Next, I have the New York Giants finishing at six and eleven. I do think they're going to get it done on some games. Daniel Jones, not a huge fan. He's not looked great in, in training camp. Has so he ever, well, have you ever like looked at him and think, wow, that's an NFL quarterback? He he no. has he has the physical structure to be good, right? He's he's super tall. You can't put it all together. I know. And, and this I could see this being his last year um, in New York. And then last I have the Eagles at five and twelve. I'm not gonna lie, Eagles, I don't know. I don't know how they won with Nick Foles. They're just that team that was scrappy. And I think Jalen Hurts is, you know, a decent quarterback. But in the end, I think they have some issues in their organization. I don't think I've seen a franchise want their quarterbacks disappoint more than the Eagles. You have Carson Wentz, who was coming off a great year in 2019. You drafted quarterback in the yeah, second round. Terrible. Take the confidence. Carson Wentz is out of there. Then you say, hey, Jalen Hurts, here's the keys to the team. However, we're going to trade for a quarterback who played pretty well in the Jacksonville Jaguars offense the past two years, and he's going to be looking over your shoulder for all 17 games. What kind of confidence does that put in your quarterback to be like, hey, the organization trusts you? I haven't yeah. seen that in organization ever. And, and there's, there's a there's a fine – well, while you're ranting, there's a fine line between you know just upgrading your backup and strictly like – finding a guy that could literally replace your starter. Like you said, Carson Wentz was a great – he came off – before he got injured, he was the MVP. I forget what year that was, but he was Wait, MVP. Was four years ago. I mean, we exactly. can get over that by now. We can get over it. That was oh, forever. I understand that, but that's not what I'm saying. And then they come and you get a guy like Jalen Hurts and all this. I'm just saying the Eagles, I don't know what they're doing with their draft capital – um, but they're just the type of team they need to just put their faith in Jalen Hurts. I think he has the talent to do it, but trading for Minshew was just an eye-opening move, and they actually gave up a decent amount of capital for him. It wasn't actually that bad. It was a, They fleeced him. It was like a sixth and a fifth. I mean, that's the Eagles aren't going to nail those picks. Like that, That's easy for them. But we got to now jump to the NFC South. We got the Bucks, Saints, Panthers, Falcons. What's your ranking of those four teams? Not a surprise. I have Tampa Bay at top with the 12 and five record. I think they're going to continue their pursuit this year and have a, a good season followed by the saints at 10 and seven. I think a lot of people are down on them for some reason. I think Jameis is actually maybe a slight upgrade than drew Brees was talent wise. Um, so I think they're going to have a good season next I have Atlanta at seven and 10. That's not a great record, but it's better than last year for sure. I think 
Matt Ryan is still going to probably get a little bit worse, but they have a lot of talent. I love Kelvin Ridley. So that's why I think they can get some wins. And then lastly, I have Carolina at 6-11. and 11. I think Sam Darnold might struggle at times. Um, so I'm definitely rooting for the Panthers, but I think they're a couple way, couple years away from really making some noise. No, I, I respect those. I'm very similar with you. I have the Bucks though, at 13-4. and four. They have the one of the easiest schedules this year, having all 22 starters back. It's Tom Brady's team. They are going to win games, and maybe they might even go 14-3, but Tom Brady's not really a regular season guy. He hasn't really cared that much about regular season wins. He's about that postseason, and Tom Brady will get them there. I have the Saints at 10-7, which is different than a lot of people. I think they're going to be a very good team with Jameis Winston just because his arm talent is a lot better than Drew Brees. It opens up the offense. I think Jameis' turnovers will go down. And you got to look at it. How are they not a 10-win team? They have an amazing offensive line, an amazing running back. Michael Thomas is going to get healthy. Callaway looks like a stud. They have a top 10-12 defense. They have everything that a quarterback needs to succeed with a good coach as well. So that's where I'm sitting with them. I have the Panthers at 6-11. and 11. Other people will say that's way too low. I'm not a big fan of Darnold. I'm not. I think their offense will be good. Their defense is still young and still learning. They're still a year away from being an elite unit in my eyes. And then I have the Falcons at 5-12. and 12. They're going to be looking at another top five pick this year just because they, they have a terrible defense. They lost Julio. They're going to be going into a rebuild soon, and that's where I see them heading. Yeah. So while you're catching your breath, I'm going to go back and to the Saints pick. Just the idea that a lot of people are down on them. We talk about how Drew Brees is definitely in the talent wise, um, wasn't as good as Jameis Winston is. But Drew Brees brought leadership to the table, which is definitely a priceless trait. Um, but I know we can't touch too much on that because we have to move to the best division in my eyes and the NFL. Division of, all, of all football right here. Exactly. We talked about the worst in the NFC East, and now we got the best with the NFC West. So kick us off. You want me to? All right. So this is the most polarizing division where you could basically just press random in a random name generator, and you could probably get a respectable division standings. So I'm going to try my best here. I have the Rams at 13 and 4. I really like them this year. I think with Adding Matthew Stafford that opens up the playbook more to Sean McVay. And Sean McVay is definitely a little kid on Halloween, just super excited with having a good quarterback to um, lead his offense. So I think they will be very good at 13 and 4 with their stellar defense as well. I have Seattle at 11, sorry, 12 and 5. I think they're going to be very good. They're, they're going to be one game behind the Rams, in my opinion. No matter what team is around Russell Wilson, he's going to get the job done, and I think he'll do that again this season. Maybe For MVP, sure. who knows? And that San Francisco at ten and seven, I think they're going to turn to Trey Lance late in the season, and that's going to propel them to a better record and a playoff spot as the sixth seed. And I think they're going to be playing very good football and possibly make a run come playoff time. And then there had to be a worst team in this division. They would be the best team in the NFC East. <laughs> unfortunately, due to their strength of schedule, yeah. I'm going to have Cardinals at 9-8 and eight for this one. What do you think of those rankings? What would you change? I would love to hear it. 
Yeah, no, we actually were almost spot on there. I have the Rams at the top as well with 12, 12 and 5. Um, like you said, I think Sean McVay is going to come out and prove himself this year. Didn't kind of kind of live up to expectations the past years. They have great defense. Um, love the addition of Matthew Stafford. Next, I got Seattle at 11 and 6. I think Seattle's issue has always been they usually have one really good half of the season and one iffy one. I would love to see them kind of put together a full – um, good season of football led by Russell Wilson there. In third place, I have the San Francisco 49ers at 10 and 7. Um, I love Nick Boza. I love their defense. I think Trey Lance is an upgrade at the quarterback position. He's going to open up the option game. He's going to open up the passing. Um, going to definitely do some good things there. And then in last place as well, I do have the Arizona Cardinals at 9 and 8. Um, I love Kyler. I think he's a great talent. Definitely one of those guys, super fun to watch. But um, talent-wise and schedule-wise, I just think they're going to finish at the bottom. Yeah, I just find it hard for the Cardinals not to, looking at their cornerback depth. Yeah. I, I think they have um, Byron Murphy Jr. at their corner one and Tay Gowan at corner two, and then Marco Wilson who threw that shoe for Florida last year um, at corner three. So when you're playing up against wide receivers like DK, Lockett, Robert Woods, yeah. Cooper Cub, Debo Ayuk, it's going to be hard to keep up with those powerhouses when you don't have good corners, no matter how good your defensive line is, no matter how good your quarterback and wide receiver core is, it's going to be tough. So before we end this podcast episode, you run through your seven teams that will make the playoffs and then I'll quickly run through mine. And then we'll say our thanks for watching and then we'll cut them loose. Yeah, so I will kick it off. Finishing first in the NFC is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, followed by the Los Angeles Rams, who also finished 12-5. and five. Next comes the Green Bay Packers at 13-4. and four. And winning the NFC East will be the Washington football team at 9-8. and eight. The other teams I have sneaking in are the Minnesota Vikings. I have the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers. All right, I have a little differently. I have Rams at 1. 13-4 over the Buccaneers at 13-4 just due to strength of schedule. I have the Packers at 12-5 and five at third, and then Washington at 9-8. I have Seattle at 12-5 and five at the five spot who will be facing Washington in my playoff scenario. I would have San Fran at six at 10-7 facing off versus the Packers, which that would be a good game, a 2019 NFC Championship rematch. And then New Orleans at 10-7 playing the Buccaneers which would be a divisional round rematch from last year. Either way, the NFC is definitely exploding with talent. It's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. Um, we gave our predictions. Why don't you give us ours? Comment on Brooks's Instagram page, NextGen, or leave a comment in the, or in the podcast notes. We'd love to give that a look. So I want to thank you guys for listening. Thank you, Brooks, for being here. Any last comments from you? Yeah, thank you guys for listening, and go cop the merch. There's, it's going to be on sale uh, during um, the Thursday game, I think. That's when it'll start going on sale uh, for the Football is Back sale. Football and is back. Like we did not mention this, this podcast episode, one last note, that Andrew sucks at cornhole. So that's Ooh. all that we're going to be talking about. Thank you guys for listening, and peace out. See you guys.